You're tuned in to the thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Welcome you to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And again, we're talking politics this entire episode. We have with us my good friend and uh, the candidate for the 13th Congressional District in the city of Detroit, Martel Bivings. He is with us in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Uh, I'm just asking people to give me a chance and I'll give you a choice. I do have an R behind my name, but I'm a black man from Detroit first, and I will always vote in Detroit's interest, which means many times I won't be voting uh, completely with the Republican Party. And uh, many people in the party already understand that, and because uh, I'm a Detroiter first. And that's the interest in which I'm going to uh, vote in, because uh, you are my employer. You are the largest employer of the district. And uh, it's time. We have more, so we should be doing more. We should be doing more to educate our young people on the importance of voting. We should be doing more to be becoming more civic-minded and civically engaged in our communities. We should be doing more to apply pressure to our elected officials to pass legislation like the George Floyd for Justice Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that will make a difference in our communities. We should be doing more to register our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, and even our enemies to vote. We should be doing more to ensure that our neighbors, relatives, friends, and even enemies not just register to vote, but actually do go to the polls and vote. We have more, so we should be doing more. Vote or die trying. Vote or die fighting. Vote or die marching. Vote or die protesting. Vote or die speaking truth to power. Vote or die trying to lift our brothers and sisters out of poverty. Vote or die trying to emancipate the minds of this generation of young people from this mentality of hopelessness and apathy. Vote or die trying to realize the dream of our ancestors to see a fully engaged community, indoctrinated, involved in the social, political, economic, and academic well-being of one another. This is our answer. This is our solution. This is our mantra. This is our opportunity not just change our community, but our country. Not just our neighborhood, but our nation. And we can do it together. Let's give it a try.
Hello and welcome to the Give Me a Chance and I'll Give You a Choice edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemes. You're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. I want to welcome you to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And again, we're talking politics this entire episode. We have with us my good friend, and uh, the candidate for the 13th Congressional District in the city of Detroit, Martel Bivings. He is with us in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And what's interesting about this week's interview is that he is the only African-American male or the only African-American, I should say, uh, that is on the ballot on either side of the aisle, Republican or Democrat, coming up in the November general election. And this is um, very interesting because uh, we have always had a representative uh, in the city of Detroit from the 13th and the 12th and 13th district or the 13th district, I should say, historically uh, for almost 70 years. And this will be um, a uh, this will be very, very um Disappointing if we do not have African American representation from the city of Detroit in either the 12th or the 13th district coming up in November. But this is the reality that citizens in the city of Detroit are faced with because of the fallout of the August primary, which we plan to discuss in greater detail in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And again, we are uh, really talking politics in this week's edition. Uh, in fact, we even have a very powerful thought of the week entitled Vote or Die Trying. Vote or Die Trying. We usually uh, reserve our thoughts of the week for something very powerful, empowering, and spiritually motivated. But in this week's edition, we decided to take a brief detour uh, and talk uh, and give you a thought that's more politically and socially motivated uh, in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And guys, we are very, very uh, excited as well as um, engaged in this conversation about voting and politics, particularly in the city of Detroit and how things are going to shake out in November. Martel Bibbings, candidate for the 13th Congressional District, is with us and he's going up against Democratic candidate Sri Thanadar or Tanadar, uh, who is an immigrant from India uh, into uh, in this country and serving as a state representative in the Michi Michigan legislature, uh, and he won uh, by 22,000 votes uh, in um, the the uh, this this Democratic uh, heavily crowded Democratic field of candidates in the 13th congressional district. And uh, Martel Bivings ran unopposed in his bid uh, to make it to the general election. And he again will be going up against or vying for this seat uh, in the 13th Congressional District uh, against Democratic candidate Sri Tanadar. And, you know, again, I don't want to get too in, uh, into this prior to the interview because we, we talk a great deal about the implications of this August primary uh, and what it will all mean for us in November if in fact we do not have a black representative 
uh, in Congress representing either the 12th or the 13th district uh, in November. So uh, I just wanted to put that out there and let you know we're, we're talking politics as a disclaimer, an opening disclaimer for this episode. Uh, <laughs> so get ready, get ready, get ready. Um, we a lot, lot, a lot of other things to discuss as well, but again, primarily we're talking about voting and politics in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Want to give a big shout out to my good friend Willie, Coach Willie Green of the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, who is uh, back in the news not just for what he's doing uh, in the NBA in this country, but even around the world. According to an article in NBA.com, Willie Green is slated to participate in Basketball Without Borders Africa in Egypt. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans head coach, according to this article, Willie Green will be among several NBA players, coaches, and legends to participate in the NBA's Basketball Without Borders 2022 camp, which will be held from August 28th through the 31st in Cairo, Egypt. That is incredible. NBA Africa, the International Basketball Federation, uh, uh, better known as FIBA, and the Egyptian Basketball Federations will host 64 of the top boys and girls from 26 African countries to participate in the 18th Basketball Without Borders BWB Africa Camp at Hassan Mustafa Indoor Sports Complex. This camp will mark the first time the NBA and FIBA's Global Basketball Development and Community Outreach Program will be held in Egypt and the first time on the continent since 2019 in Senegal. Willie Green is among a record tying five NBA head coaches participating in this event, including Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr, Portland Trail Blazers head coach Chauncey Billups, Washington Wizards head coach Wes Unsall Jr., and Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch. Milwaukee's uh, Milwaukee Bucks associate head coach Charles Lee and Charlotte Hornets associate head athletic trainer Quinn Sawyer will also coach at the camp. This is absolutely incredible. Uh, this seem this is an incredible opportunity uh, for uh, Coach Willie Green and all of the other coaches uh, that will be participating. This again is a this again demonstrates that the NBA is indeed a global. Um, association uh, it is uh, definitely uh, known around the world and um, you know the fact that this camp is taking place in Africa on the continent of Africa in Cairo Egypt is just uh, remarkable and even more so that coach Willie Green is participating this young man is doing some phenomenal things just want to give him a shout out in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Also, guys, uh, we're going to be um, giving you an episode next week, a solo episode next week, where we're going to be talking uh, politics, talking different topics. Uh, you know, we haven't done one in a while. A lot of things to talk about and discuss. In fact, we're going to include uh, a, a poll in this week's episode uh, so we can get your feedback on what you'd like us to talk about. A lot of things to talk about, um, and we're going to include that in uh, this week's episode so you have an opportunity to chime in and let us know what you like for us to talk about 
in next week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. For example, uh, we have um, twerking in the church. There is a video that has been circulating around social media uh, where there is a, a young lady who has actually had written a song about twerking for Jesus. <laughs> yes, twerking for Jesus. So uh, that is definitely something that we're considering talking about next week. Also, someone asked me about Beyonce and the Church Girl song controversy. For those of you who don't know, uh, Beyonce has a new album out called uh, Renaissance, and one of the songs on the album is called Church Girl. Uh, and on the Church Girl song is a sample from uh, the uh, Clark sisters, and she included that on the song. And of course, there's a, now a controversy in the Christian community about Church Girl and the Clark sisters and Beyonce. So someone asked me my thoughts about that and I was considering talking about that as well in next week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We also want to talk about Trump and the new Republican Party uh, along with some other topics that we're going to include in the poll. So you have an opportunity to tell us what you would like us to talk about in next week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So we're going to put it on our poll. We're going to put it on on our um, Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page as well as our Instagram so you have an opportunity to chime in and let us know what you like us to talk about in next week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show so stay tuned for that. Well, guys, we're getting ready to take a break. But when we come back, we're jumping right into my interview with candidate for the 13th Congressional District, Martel Bivings. He is our guest on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We're talking politics and voting the entire episode, so you don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Author and professor, Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be. And I think Malcolm is is a much more um, brilliant and 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 um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a black America statesman too. He's going to the Middle East, he's going to Africa, um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So. I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. 
refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought working experience. What is up, beautiful people? It's your girl, Lex Devine, in the building, kicking it with yours truly, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. All right, y'all, stay tuned. All right, everybody, we are back and uh, we're excited about this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We have a good friend of ours on the get uh, on the show with us and um, a very interesting interview. Can't wait to jump into it. But before we do, want to <laughs> give him a proper introduction. He is a graduate of Howard University with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Communications and has worked as a community liaison in Lansing and uh, policy analyst and small business developer for uh, councilmen in the city of Detroit. He's also worked for the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation as a business liaison for city council district number four, where he uses extensive experience working with local businesses to help open and support new businesses throughout the district. Over several years, he has secured a million dollars in small business investments for City Council District 3 and 4, and he's also was able to save business owners $85,000 in property taxes. He's currently the Republican candidate for Congress for the 13th District and the only African-American still in the race on either side of the aisle heading into the general election. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome to new friend of the show and good friend of ours, the Republican candidate for the 13th District, my good friend Martel Bivings. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. It's so funny hearing uh, my resume, and I guess I've always been a liaison between the people and government, and uh, mm. I really do know how to bend the government to the will of the people. And that just came to me hearing you say that. I've always been liaisoning. Wow. Wow. Well, well, that's, I guess, a great segue into our first question because we always ask our guests to tell us more about themselves. So, Martel, tell us more uh, about yourself. So you you got that part. I'm, I'm a graduate of Howard University. I went to Cody High School on the West Side, and I am forever, ever indebted to my experience at the Mecca, the Capstone, the Hilltop, AKA Howard University. Uh, our Shout out Vice President Kamala Harris. Yes, yes, yes. We come Vice President Kamala Harris, even though we both belong to two different parties, we are both ascended from Howard University Political Science Department. Mm. That is, that's very unique. Right. Um, I, I love that place. It made me 
very comfortable being the elephant in the room. No pun intended. But, um, <laughs> it, our, our motto is uh, excellence, leadership, truth, and service. Find your truth and serve and be excellent in, in, in that pursuit. And I, I, be, I, I fell in love with policy at Howard. I, I knew that. I knew that I would be running for office and would become an elected official at the federal level one day at Howard. Uh, I fell in love with policy in uh, U.S. history to 1867 when we were uh, learning about the 13th Amendment. And I just, when you when you really begin to understand language and words, mm. semicolons and dashes, and how all of that put together how it is interpreted and in, and enforced mm-hmm. and how that could either support you or be to your detriment. I knew I wanted to be uh, in Congress one day and I knew I wanted to have the, uh, the pen in my hand to argue for commas and semicolons so that life would be a bit easier for people who look like you and I specifically black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea I would be running this year. Um, I truly do understand the functionality of government. And because I do, I know how to bend it to the will of the people. I like, I like the challenges. I like the challenges. It's not, it's not easy. It's like when I would meet my business owners for four years, they would, I mean, and many of them would do things that they had no business or they did. They did. And I won't name those people, but I would go to them. I'm like, you know, you know, you're supposed to have your business license six months ago. Mm. Me today. Okay. Uh, I will always find a way for them. And many times it was a city in their way and I will find a way for them. And uh, sometimes it was laws, language in their way. And that was one of my skill sets. Uh, It was seven of us on the team. And many times when other, when my other colleagues bumped into the law or the policies or the ordinances, city ordinances, they would just go back to the client and say, Hey, we can't because of the law. And my personality was like, change it. We're going to change the law. Mm. And I said, <clears throat> I said, we report to council. We had direct reporting to council. And we also directly reported to the mayor. And being a business liaison offered me access that many people in our municipal government didn't have. Because I had access to the executive branch as well as the legislative branch. And none of those were, and then I was housed in the economic arm, the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. So those are three areas. And none of those three entities had the type of access the business liaisons had. Mm. I I was able to walk directly to the mayor's office. I was able to walk directly to council's office. Council staff couldn't walk directly to the mayor's office and the mayor's office couldn't walk directly to council staff. And neither of those two entities technically had direct access to the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. So I used that access to my ability to better position my business owners. Mm. And not many of my other colleagues at first felt comfortable and had a true understanding of what that access provided them. And through that, they would be able to provide access to their business owners. But I saw that quickly and I used it to my advantage. And my team quickly, we quickly understood each other's skill sets. So when they ran into policy issues, I became the policy person on the team. Like, hey, Bivings, the ordinance says we can't do this, do this. What can we do? And I would dive into the policy and I would uh, 
come up with ways around it. And I would come up with language and I would say, submit this recommendation to your council person to see if we could change the ordinance so that your business owner could do that. And uh, that's what I did for four years. And I, I enjoyed that. I, I got deeper into my skill set of using language to provide a way for people. This group of people were just having to be business owners. Hmm. And that is what I'll do in Congress. I'll, I'll pass language, laws, alter language, codify language to make your pursuit of happiness more easily obtainable. That's what I think the role of government is. I don't think government should be in your way. <clears throat> I think everyone should have the right to pursue his or her own happiness just as long as that your individual pursuit is not intervening in my pursuit. And my pursuit is not in the way of your pursuit. And anytime you have a government, especially our government and how it is set up, it should not be in the way. And the government should be trying to be less in your household so that you could do what it is you need to do. So those are some of the things that I, I, I agree with. And those are some of my passions. Guys, okay. I know you're enjoying my interview with Republican candidate for Congress for the 13th district. My good friend Martel Bivings is with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You know, uh, Martel, as you were sharing with us, you know, the decision that you made to run for the primary, you know, um, what's interesting is that you were able to garner 19,000 votes statewide, which is amazing for someone who basically was an unknown. Um, and, um, and, and, and you ran unopposed on the Republican side and you're now headed to the general election facing off against the Democratic nominee, Sri Thanadar, who received just 3,000 more votes and 22,000 votes than you did. How do you feel your chances are against Sri Thanadar, who is a businessman and a millionaire? Uh, I spent about $5,000 in the... Uh... I said, no, I spent like $10,000 collectively plus staff and, uh, literature. And, uh, I didn't even, I'm not even, uh, encompassing gas in that right back and forth from my house to the very Western portion of the district. Um, I think he spent like $6 million. I heard it was 8 million. Okay, cool. He spent $8 million, right? 3000 more votes than I did. And he right. ran every office in the, that you could run for except for precinct delegate. That's where you should have started at. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's how I feel about my chances. He, I spent 10,000, he spent 8 million uh, for 3,000 more votes. Right. And, um, what I did is I, the same thing I did in the, the primary is what I'm doing now. And I'm just I'm whipping it into overdrive is a door knock, door knock, door knock, door knock, door knock. Uh, but I, I heavily, of course, in the primary Republican primary, I focus on Republican doors. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the state database tells you who traditionally votes in a Republican primary, and that's who you can target. And uh, that's where we went. And um, I went to Republican meetings. Uh, I went to Republican city meetings. You know, in Southgate and Lincoln Park and Taylor and Romulus and uh, and Gross Point and uh, everything. And I put myself out there and. Uh, People vibe with me. People, people vibe with me. People vibe with my policies. My policies are very simple. School choice, Second Amendment protections, lower taxes. If you go into the gas station and you enjoy this $4, I might not be your guy. People like, you are my guy. So uh, I'm going to continue to do that. I, do, I am not, I'm not foolish. I do need some money. 
I'm gonna need about a million dollars. We're gonna spend a million and a half dollars. And uh, that's what's gonna get us to this victory. Um, Sheree is out of touch. I was watching a video with uh, Sheree and um, he, he said, uh, he's like, I've, I've lived all over America and uh, Detroit is the best place. Everyone just kind of loved and embraced me and they were very nice to me more than uh, other places. But Mike, that's not shocking to you and I, you know, if, if, if we, that's who we are at the, at the core, we're Southern people, you know, we're Southern hospitality. Most are, most people in Detroit, uh, descendants came up to Detroit during the great migration. And we still have that Southern hospitality, you know, right. Right. If you go, if you go over to somebody in Detroit's house and they cook and they ain't got enough food, you still going to walk out of there. You still going to get you a plate of food and it's going to be a full plate. You know, it's not going to be skimpy. That's who we are. Mm -hmm. We're loving, cool, nourishing people. If you see us, we're going to say what up though to you. That's our, that's our own colloquial way of saying hello. Right. And, and unless you disrespect or violate us, we going to show love. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sheree Tanadar is uh, taking our niceness for weakness. He has studied us. He's watched us. And he thinks because he's telling us his poor come up story of $20 that he relates to us relates to us that he he's the same as us but in fact everything that allowed him to come up is not policies he's advocating for he's not saying hey when i was on my come up i did a b c d and e and f g and if you do the same things you too could be uh, a multi-millionaire and that's why i'm advocating for this type of policy so it can be easier for you to become a millionaire Right. Advocating for policies to keep you right in your neighborhood that you were born in mm -hmm. and that you're going to die in. He's not saying, hey, if you do this, you can become a millionaire. Hey, if we change this comma and move this comma over here, you could come up easier. He's not doing those things. And then this race comes down to two things, two guys. Two scientists. I'm a political scientist. He's a different type of scientist. This is not his laboratory. This is not his skill set. And if it was his skill set, or if he was truly attempting to make this his skill set, you would see those results based off his work in Lansing. He has not brought nothing, zero, nada, to the district in which he represents. In fact, if you look at his voting record, many times he votes against the Democrats, which I don't think nothing is wrong with, but he hasn't even used that as an opportunity to build relationships with Republicans to be able to introduce language to better present to better position the people in his district. So he he'll come down in the community and say, "I never missed a day of work. I'm I'm up in Lansing every day. Yeah, you just got you just in a seat. You just in Lansing." You ain't got no friends. You ain't got no relationships. You ain't brought nothing to the district. You just up in Lansing. Mm. He would have better. You know how many people in his district, if he gave $8 million to, could get their roofs prepared? Mm. If he gave $8 million to the people in the district, how they could fix their houses up and pull them out of poverty, we got to ask ourselves, why is he spending this much money on a seat that's not going to even bring that much income into his house? And he does not even have the skill set to get done what's needed to better position the people in which he's asking to represent. 
Why? Is he doing this so he could tell his people back in India, yo, this idea is in America, come up. And if that's what he's doing, we gotta be aware of that and be like, cool, we cool with Sheree coming up on our backs because he's not helping us. Wow. That's a good point, you know. Um, and and as we, you know, get ready to go to break, I'm I'm thinking of the thinking of that uh someone said to someone said recently uh, after the August primary that you know this 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 gentleman Sri Thanadar could not we could he's coming to our country as an immigrant from India running for uh seats that could very well be you know uh you know uh someone from this country someone from the city of Detroit someone from the community he's trying to represent could very well run for and none of us could do the same over in India none of us could go to India and run for anything over there and and that is and that is the harsh reality that Detroiters are up against um when we when we deal with the reality of us not having black representation in Congress from the city of Detroit, we're going to get into that on the other side of this break. But guys, I know you're enjoying my interview with U.S. Congress, U.S. congressional candidate for the Republican Party, my good friend Martel Bivings. We're going to get back into this conversation on the other side of the break. It's a Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hey, what's cracking, Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ. Lover, you understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike, give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Minneapolis, Minnesota, to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Emmy Award winning journalist, Jimmy O'Hill. I have to ask ourselves, how is it 
that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time. Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they could say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed and are. That's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It was my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it, he talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the thinking out loud radio show. All right, guys, we are back and I know you're enjoying my conversation with Republican candidate for U.S. Congress for the 13th District, my good friend, uh, Martel Bivings. He's with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And, you know, in the first segment, we were really talking about uh, him as a candidate, him introducing himself to us, and really you get an opportunity to get to know him. <laughs> but in this segment, we want to talk, we want to shift the conversation a bit about some of the implications of the August primary results and what is it going to be looking like moving and heading into the November election. So I want to start here, uh, Martel, since 1954, when Charles Diggs ran for Congress, that was over 70, almost 70 years ago, there has been black representation from the city of Detroit and Washington, D.C. Um, there's, you, you, but after the August primary in both the 12th and the 13th district, which are heavily democratic, as you know, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian, and Sri Tanadar, who is an immigrant from India, are heavy favorites to win in November. As the only black candidate left on both sides of the aisle heading into November, how do you feel about the reality of no black representation from the city of Detroit in the U.S. Congress? Uh, I don't like that. I do not like it at all. Representation matters. Repre I mean, the word represent. Represent. Who right. you represent? Who you right. that's so who you represent represent your click, represent your, that's that's real. You know, it's it is we can joke about it in songs about it, but representation matters. Exactly. Perspective matters. You know, uh we have a candidate that could see you crying, I could feel you crying. Mm. I understand why you cry. That's a good that's a good point. That 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 your your cry hurts me. I don't want to go through that. I, I know what it's like to go through that. And I I would legislate differently. That 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 pain, that pursuit to not want another black brother to to have to, to have that same cry is my driving force. To to know what it feels like to to walk up to your house and to see everything thrown out of it because you've been evicted because your uh your parents couldn't 
make the rent payments. I know the feeling, I know the feeling, it's a difference to see it and to feel it. So I craft policies differently uh, to, to be able to struggle semester after semester for college. I know that feeling, I know that feeling um, to be able to go to school. I went to Cody High School, I love Cody. I love Cody, it made me who I am. But uh, 10th grade year at Cody High School, uh, you know, 10th grade year, that's biology. Uh, we did not have the funding to dissect a frog. You know, I might've been a surgeon. I mean, like, how can you tell a student? I remember asking Mr. Anderson and most students at Cody did not care for Mr. Anderson. If you went to Cody, you know, Mr. Anderson. Uh, I remember asking Mr. Anderson, like, when are we going to uh, dissect a frog? And he said, we don't have enough money. That is not my issue as a student, you know, mm. you know, uh, I'm, I'm ready to dissect the frog. Maybe had I dissect a frog, I might not even been pursuing politics. I might have been down at a DMC doing a surgery on somebody right now. Right. Uh, so I know that feeling. And I, I know what it feels like for somebody to have to go to Pershing or Denby and not have that exposure. I know what it feels like. So I craft policies different, represent, I'm representing what it is. I'm not representing what I've studied or what uh, my staffer has told me. I'm not, I didn't just put myself in Detroit five years ago because I saw a voting base that could be easily swayed if I tell them a story. I mean, like the, the voter base told him like, yo, I don't understand you. So he took that and said, I'm gonna make a joke out of it and have a commercial where I have a voiceover so you can understand the voiceover. Mm. So he's playing us and he's sitting in Lansing not representing us. He brought that, he, he spent all that money for that seat in Lansing and what are you doing with it? You're not crafting any policy to make life easier for us. And, and that, that, that's what's concerned. You wanna have somebody in Washington that one, has the skill set, which I do, and then something I learned about myself in COVID is I have a really amazing personality. I, I can kick it and vibe with anybody. So I'm gonna be up in the Republican caucus like, yeah, what up? That, that, that language don't work for Detroit. Oh, that, that gets you votes out of Kentucky? Okay. That works, for, that works for your main, huh? Okay, yeah, it's killing me in Detroit. It's mm. killing me. It's killing my people in Detroit. How 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 can we find an equal medium? They're like, yo, Bivings. I, I never, I never, I never knew that, you know, because because we're we're gonna be vibing and connecting on a different level, you know. We're gonna be at the bar over Jameson and uh and uh smoking cigars together. And they're like, yo, Bivings, I never I never kicked it with nobody from Detroit, you know. I never even really wanted to go to Detroit. Right. I never even felt Detroit's perspective. And that's what I get to bring to the table. And then once I've established that relationship, I could be like, can we, can we not put the comma there? Can it just be a hardcore period? Just, mm. just done with the language. When we do appropriations like this, can we appropriate it in such a way that if the household is bringing in $35,000, they benefit from it? Or when we do appropriations, can we make something that's uh, amenable to a household that's bringing in $80,000 and it's two people in it, but they still struggling? Mm. Mm. I, I get to do those type of things. And and you and the point that I like that you brought up about really finding a way to connect, uh, you don't really have to find a way. You 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 have a better way of connecting with the people that you represent because you you said in uh, in the earlier segment that you are from the 13th district. You yeah. you you you're not you're not just seeing what's happening. You've experienced it. And yeah. there's a difference. When, when it flooded in Jefferson Chalmers last year, I too had six feet of water in my basement. Mm. I too went through the winter without a furnace in my basement. 
thankfully wow. excuse my privilege i had a second furnace on the third floor so my third floor and second floor was heated but uh i remember many days many days i had to resort back to uh old school way of uh, hood living i had to put a sheet up over the entrances of my kitchen and put a heater in there so my kitchen could have heat and still some days this past winter my faucets my faucet uh froze so water couldn't even come out and so you're going and it's in and from what i'm hearing it sounds to me like you're planning on taking these experiences with you to washington if you are privileged enough to win in november and that would be the make the primary difference between you and shri danadar oh absolutely 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 i, I know the struggle i am in the struggle and i'm going to craft policies that makes the struggle less hard. Like, whew, we able to, we able to see the, we able to see the end. Right. You able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We, yes, we, we could get out of this. So, uh, right. so that's that's why representation matters. I remember I saw a quick quick story, and we done with this question. Uh, this doctor, African American woman doctor. She said that uh, she was she was on her rounds, and the lady had just had a uh, a baby. And uh, one of the other doctors who was right, white, had put a, um, what is it called? Had put like a psych study, like had the psych ward wanting to uh, watch the watch the lady who had just given birth. And the black doctor, just in casual conversation, said, why? And she said, the white doctor said that uh, every time I go in the room, that the lady is uh, banging on her head. Mm. And I think that's something wrong with it. So that's why I had the psych people make sure they watch out for her. And the black lady said, like, are, are, is she doing it like this? And she said, yeah. She said, how'd you know? She said, oh, because if we have sew ins or weaves or extensions, that's, that's the way we scratch our head. That's why representation matters. That, it matters. And I, when I saw that example, I'm like, yeah, you know, this lady had her, she about to put her on the site study. Because she's just tapping her head instead of scratching her head. Because she, wow, and she thinks that like, makes a difference. She's mentally ill, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I tell you what. I was walking around downtown last night, and I felt the love. I felt the love. I'm in my suit, and uh, the black brothers love. The black brothers showed love, and I, and I got that from my granddad. Just because you see somebody chilling somewhere, don't mean they homeless. That that could just be they chill meetup spot with they guys. There was a group of black brothers that was kind of chilling. And uh, they asked me, they're like, why'd you come over here and talk to us? You got a suit and tie on. People like you don't even usually see us. This is a black man talking to me. And I said, nah, brother, uh, I see y'all because I am y'all. Mm. And uh, I value you because uh, I want to be valued. And my man is like, I'm going for you just because of that. Wow. And I don't think Cherie would have went over there and embraced that group of people. And what you know about us, Michael, as a, as a black man, we're not going to disclose to you our, our innermost fears and uncomforts when we just meet you. No, no, no matter what voiceover Cherie does, how he try to talk to us, we're never going to tell him our true issue. Right. We're never going to be like, yo, I saw this when I was a child and this is affecting me or like, yo, this is my struggle. And somehow my personality and my blackness and my malehood allows me to be in the community and black brothers be like, yo, this is the issue. This is real. Like when I, when I was getting those signatures to be here, black brothers like, yo, what does a congressman even do? That, that's, that's a level of vulnerability 
to be able to like, yo, bro, I don't know what no congressman do. What, what do they do? What because do they at, do? Because right. at that court, we just having brothers talk. Mm-hmm. This, this is just two brothers on the streets talking. And because I'm able to have that type of experience and exposure, I could legislate differently. Right, right. And that that's a great point that you made. Um, you know, as, as Sheree will never be able to relate to the community in the, the 13th district the way you are and the way you have been. Um, he'll never be able to relate to black America period period in the period. way that in the way that you are because you are a black man you have experienced the struggle of being black in America yeah. you, you you're you're familiar with that and you 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 will take those experiences with you to Washington when Tana Sheree is is only seeing that and like you said earlier uh, responding to a study that may have been done that that he that that was given to him or some statistics that he may have ran across that he might be using or planning to use to craft some legislation that he might think is beneficial. But at the end of the day, it's only him seeing it, but never yet experienced it himself. Yeah. And I think that's that's a, a big part of that, you know. As we continue this discussion in an article in the Detroit Free Press entitled Black Leaders Lament the Loss of Black Representation in the City of Detroit, um, new redistricting maps, low voter turnout and a crowded field of candidates were three of the main reasons why black leaders believe that there will ultimately be no black representation in Congress in almost 70 years. Uh, I want to know from you what or who do you believe to be the blame for what happened in August and why? The Democrats, because they fought. Just they fought. And it was it was their fault and it delivered my come up. So I'm not it's saying hard that. To, it's hard to argue with that, but I'll let you expound upon that. Because when we did the the Voting Rights Act gave us favor because it basically said if it's a majority minority district, the lines have to be drawn in such a way where somebody from that space can represent that space. Mm-hmm. Basically not the words verbatim, but when the Democrats push this, this agenda to spread the lines out, their pursuit was to get the house of representatives in Lansing in the state Senate and Lansing. Their focus was not black people having black representation. And because when we, in this space, black people here, Democrat, we think peace. Because I said, like, you know, when you hear sneakers, it fills your hunger. Or Special K, Kellogg's, you, you see it. Like, we've been trained. We don't even, we're not even, I don't even think we're aware at a high level that we're trained to just think Democrat. I mean, Joe Biden disrespectfully said, disrespectfully said, you ain't black if you don't vote Democrat. What? Which are, are you going through early stages of dementia? What the, what the, what? That's not, you know, that's what he said. So when we heard many black people heard Democrat, they wasn't tripping about expanding the board. Oh, Democrats are doing it. It must be to our benefit. So we lost black representation at the state level. We're, we lost black representation at the state Senate level. Well, I want to push back just a little bit on that okay. because it wasn't just the Democrats who were 
involved in, and and, and I, I believe you're re, you're referring to the redistricting, right? The, yeah. The, the and and we we all know that the 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 state legislature is heavily Republican. Yeah. And and so it was the Republicans in the state Senate in the state legislature that were pushing for this redistricting that, you know, that changed the, the basically changed the map in the state of Michigan when it came to how voters voted and what precincts they go to and whatnot, because we know that there is a, um, the, the Republicans are, they don't want to have, they, they're, they're doing it because they didn't want to have what happened to them in November of 2020, what they believe have, what they believe happened to them in November, 2020, the great steal, whatever they're calling that to have happened again. So there's been, uh, an agenda that they have been pushing to, um, uh, to, to, to really, uh, restrict the vote, restrict, especially the black vote. And this is being, this, this redistricting in my view is a part of that. So it was not just Democrats, but it was primarily the Republicans that are pushing for, or were pushing for the redistricting of the, 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 the state maps and, and ultimately ended up being the reasons why we have the situation where we could very well have no black representation in November. Yes. Partially, partially, partially agree. The Democrats wanted to have this special committee do it. Mm-hmm. The last time redistricting done from what I've been told, and it's just through verbiage that Democrats had worked with Republicans because even then 10 years ago when it happened, Democrats were still in the minority and Republicans were in the majority, but Democrats who were in the state Senate at that juncture had said, Hey, how about you draw y'all lines and we draw our lines. So we keep it the same. So that means everybody still gets equal representation. Democrats want to have the special commission do this. And through that, they push the lines out in such a way where you get the situation in which we're in now. And I don't know if I can't speak to this portion. I don't, I, be, I don't know if our African-American representatives in uh, Lansing were prudent enough to see this coming before it actually got here. Because what happens is, is you now have it in a situation where black Democrats in Detroit cannot even run against each other in a primary and for state and Senate offices because you're gonna have our counterparts in the suburbs also in that same primary who's gonna take the vote. And and you're 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 right in the sense that uh that is the end res- that that that's the end result and that's what black leaders were lamenting about the crowded field in the thirteenth district, particularly uh on the Democratic side, because you know, they were actually taking votes from each other uh and that also you know played into the low ver- voter turnout overall in the city of Detroit cuz the the numbers were abysmal when it came to in person voting versus absentee ballots and yeah. and those that the crowded field and the low vote voter turnout I kind of look at as 
uh, as two main factors that run together because if more people did go to the polls to vote, then we might not have had the problem of votes being taken from from candidates if more people went to the polls. Uh, but the 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 part that I did want to speak to, even if African Americans in the state legislature, African American um, senators and Congress and and um, senators and state legislatures saw this coming because. You know, this was a this is still a heavily republic. Well, the state legislature is is driven by the uh, the Republican agenda, even though we have a Democratic governor in office. They couldn't do anything about it because their hands were tied. They, 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 this was this was a Republican agenda that's being pushed, not just in the state of Michigan, but across the country. Which one? We already know about in the southern in the in the in the in the well. well the what I what I mean is we're talking about the things the the steps that are being taken to restrict the vote uh, for Afri- particularly in the African American community and 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 I really believe it's it's causing this this term we've talked about in the past called apathy voter apathy that voters have become apathetic about voting because they see the handwriting on the wall they see that these steps that steps are being taken to restrict their vote and uh, and 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 that is uh that could also be another reason why we're seeing low 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 voter turnout because so many things are being done in my mind to prevent people from going prevent particularly african americans from going to the polls to vote i don't think that's that uh, uh. Pardon. I don't think that's it in Detroit. We we uh, well, one of the privileges we have in the city of Detroit is uh, we're we're a majority minority city. Uh, I think it is voter apathy, but I don't think it's because people are trying to restrict people's right to vote in Detroit. I just think that many Detroiters, and again specifically African American men, is that no matter who's in power, we struggle. Democrat in power, my roof's still leaking. It's a Republican in power. My roof's still leaking. And it's been like this for decades, for decades. You know, school ain't nothing now. Now my son going to that same school, it still ain't nothing. So why vote? Why vote? I remember one one year I went to a primary and I voted. And I got off work late. I was like 5 o'clock and I was like the 53rd voter. I'm like, it's about to close in two hours. I'm the 53rd person. And then I went to Coney Island and Coney Island was packed. And I asked people in Coney Island, did they vote? They were like, we didn't even know it was election season. And uh, it's, it's, it's that. And then because, and I've worked for elected officials, it's a, it's a math and numbers game. You go after the voter. That's all you do. You just go after the traditional voter so you can get in. That's all you need. Um, and I think the Democratic Party and unfortunately, we're not going to even see it from an African-American perspective at a high level, that they cared more about gaining seats at the state level and the Senate level than having African-American representation. So now you're going to have all these white liberals who don't give uh, nothing about black people, black people's ideas, black people's agendas, black people's fears, black people's happiness. And they're not going to craft policy to better position us. Malcolm X talked to us about liberals back in the 60s, and it's still true. 
our current governor, when she was on the west side of the state, she literally said, let Detroit fail. That's a liberal perspective. They don't know us. They're not interfacing with us. They're not chilling with us. And now that uh, Gretchen done put some uh, buffs on and came in the city, now we've been bamboozing and thinking she messing with us. And that, 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 that concerns me. Now, now she coming back in the community and she's saying, grilling and chilling with Gretchen. F that. Go pass some policies. Make, make life easier for me. Make, make life easier for me. And, we, and we, we, get, we get so caught up. We get so caught up in the, ooh, no. She's an employee of ours. Go work. Go work. Could you imagine you being at a restaurant and you order some food and your waiter ain't brought you no food and came to the table and thought she about to kick you with you? You'd be looking like, um, where's my food? Go do your job. So when Gretchen can come and kick it in your backyard and you ain't perplexed at why life ain't easier for you and she ain't crafting no policies or implementing no policies for you, that's interesting. Now you got a person in Birmingham that's also encompassing your state district. <laughs> Who you think well, she would be well, for? Well, again, you know, it's not, and 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 we don't have to go into. I mean, I I understand. Again, this is republic. This is a Republican talking about, um, uh, what the Democrats may or may not have done in their their time in office. But again, going back to. The, the state of Michigan in particular, we know that this, the, the state Senate, the state legislature is, is, uh, you know, the majority of it is, is Republican. So yes. we can't put, we can't put everything on Gretchen because her, her, you know, the Republicans have, have, um, have stopped everything that she's tried to do. They've been her adversary since day one. Well, so we can't really we we can't we can't fault her uh for uh for everything that you know she may or may not have done in her term in office. So if we go back record straight. No, no, I feel if we go and what I will say, the Republican Party, I know most people are like this guy is crazy. The Republican Party is the party of the working man. It is a party that is gonna help a small business have easier access and merge easier into entrepreneurship. And if we go back and look at every policy that she has introduced that the Republicans have blocked, I mean, I, I mean, it, maybe, maybe I come back on and we pick five of them, just five of them. And we like really analyze it. It really was not to our benefit. And, and that's what's scary. But like when the news tells it, the Republicans brought Gretchen. Remember, we already trained to think Democrat is for us. So now when we hear that, we say the Republicans are in the way of us because we're trained. We're trained to operate in a think in a manner that we don't even understand. So the Republicans are blocking Gretchen. We think, dang, stay against us. Stay against us. They're against us. But we don't know. We ain't even read the bill. The, the bill could be saying something that only benefits the West side of the state, or the bill could be benefiting people in. Grand Rapids or the bill could is the bill benefiting somebody on Mac and Bewick. If that bill had been came law, would somebody on Mac and Bewick be like, just a come up bill? That's what we gotta ask ourselves. If it reaches Mac and Bewick, then it's for us. If it's just shy of that, then maybe it, 
is, maybe it's not. And I, I would love to just randomly pick five bills of Gretchen's that got blocked and we do a, a deep dive assessment of them and we can see with the policy had it made it to back Mac and Bewick. And if it didn't make it to Mac and Bewick, then um I'm good on you, Gretchen. <laughs> I know you guys we analyze her bills. I mean like do a and, real and, and, analyze. And, and I I'm I I'm I'm game for taking you up on that. I am. I'm definitely game for taking you up on that and and uh and doing a deep dive into it because you know before we jump into the next question, I do believe that we need to hold our politicians accountable. We need to hold our elect, not politicians, our elected officials your accountable. Employees. Your, employees, your employees, those those who work for you. We yeah. need to hold them accountable because it seems like they're only uh, they're only accessible and accountable when it is time for them to run for election. When it's time to run for them. Time for public running for public office, but. When they're when it's not time to run for public office, they're not accessible, and many times they're not accountable as well. So I, I'm I'm game for taking you up on that. I know you guys are enjoying my interview with Republican candidate for U.S. Congress, 13th District. My good friend Martel Bivings is with us. You know, uh, Martel, in this same article that I talked about, uh, where Black leaders lament. Uh, the August primary and why and the reasons why the results ended the way they did. It's interesting that your candidacy wasn't even mentioned uh, in this article, probably in large part because District 13 is heavily Democratic. How do you plan to counteract this overall perception from black leaders in the city of Detroit, as well as the media in the city of Detroit, that a Republican, a black Republican can't win in a heavily democratic 13th congressional district. You know what? Uh, a lot of my people, a lot of my people were upset. You know, you know who were the most upset? My white friends. I love them. They're like, Divins, can you believe? They are saying, I'm like, yeah, I know, man. It's all good. They're like, we need to write a letter. They, they were on it. And I love that. But the, the word lament is like a sorrow, like someone has passed away or death, you know? And typically when someone is going through that, you want to kind of offer them some hope. You want to offer them some comfort. You want to come in. So the fact that the paper even used the word lament, they don't care about us. They don't really care about us because if they did, they would have been like, but you got Bivings. And they could have even went and said, it's a long shot. It could happen. And if the paper not going to write about a boy from Joy Road in Southfield, what else are they omitting from their stories? Mm. What, what, what else are they choosing not to tell us? What else are they putting up as a facade like they care about us? They don't. They do not care about us. And, and in such a way, even though it's a long shot, the news people come to for information, from, for, for a perspective, and it's supposed to be neutral. It's not supposed to lean one way or other. It's supposed to be like, these are the facts. This is what it is. Good night, people. Or these are the facts. This is what it is. Good morning, people. They're not even putting me out there. So the viewership 100% does not even know I exist. Mm. They don't know it. Black, Republican, Independent, Green Party, Yellow Party, Tea Party, they don't know it. So they can't even walk away, go to bed, wake up, listening to news, reading news with a full understanding of, oh, 
we lost our chance at black Democrat representation. They're not even using correct adverbs. They're saying it does not even exist. The possibility is not there. That, that, that has to, from a thinker's perspective, we gotta be more thinkers. That to me would be like, I don't even wanna mess with this newspaper no more. Cause what else they not telling me? They ain't telling me about my mans on Jerry Road and Southfield who live in Jefferson Chalmers, Jefferson and Chalmers. What else are they omitting? You know, that, that, that's scary. They don't care about us. You know, they, you know, like, oh, black people are, are not there. Uh, lament, lament, like, like we, like we really care. You don't, you don't care. You're trying to sell a newspaper. And that's why I was downtown last night, like I said, and I saw a guy and people are just like, uh, I'm not going to say it. People are just like, no, no, it's Sheree. The race is over. It's Sheree. It's Sheree. No, I exist. I exist. I exist. I got this book right here. Like I, I did a speech yesterday and I put this in it. Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man. Mm. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. In my own city. My own city. It's like, I'm invisible. Like, I mean, it, it, it kind of, it, it took me a few days to have to like, like I, I pop you in your mouth. You know, <laughs> I, I exist. I, I am here. And to, to, to do that, uh, and like, I, I've, been, I've been on a few uh, talk radio. Uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to Fox 2. You know, Fox 2 has been very neutral. They have been very neutral. And from from my few appearances on Fox 2 and um, some talk radio shows, people are like, oh, I just found out about you. And I, uh, I called around and I got your number. Or, oh, I found out about you and did some research. I had an 86-year-old African-American woman hear about me on the radio. She did some research. Somehow she got my mother's number. She called my mother. My mother uh, connected me with her. And she was like, um, I'm 86 years old. I've been in Detroit all my life. I never even thought about the Republican ticket, but uh, I wanted to give you a chance. I want to meet, I want to speak with you. And we talked for like 45 minutes. You know, my answers are long. And um, we found out my birthday's May 8th. Her birthday's May 9th. And um, by the end of that conversation, uh, she says she's voting for me. They wow. don't want. They wow. don't want. They don't want people to know about me, you know. So Sheree over here thinking like I got these in words. I mean, did you see him do his little fake attempt at the one two step? He can't even do a one two step. How are you gonna represent our interests? You can't do a one two step in Detroit. You gonna represent our interests? Man, you better go on and get you a. You ain't even. You can't even get you a nice lace front, bro. It's a it's a beauty supply wig shop on every other corner, and it's like you can't even represent us in Detroit. <laughs> Get out of here! But to answer your questions, they don't want they don't they don't want people to know about me, and that's really scary. And that's why I don't really trust the news at all because if they're not telling people about me, it's a thousand things that we probably should know that they're choosing not to tell us. And and I agree with that to us, you know, to a certain extent that that um the the article. Uh, had a bent, a bend towards uh, Democratic, uh, the Democrats, because again, the district was heavily Democratic, and uh, the news organization who wrote the story, Detroit Free Press, you know, probably sat back and 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 thought about the the idea of a black Republican uh, running in the 13th district as something that was that was unrealistic. And so, yes, the news news should be more 
uh, bias. It should be uh, or or objective, I should say, yeah. not subject, not subjective. Um, and 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 you know, um, but but you but here's the thing, and I'm gonna say this, and then we get ready to go to break. You had to know, and and I and I know you, I know you knew this. You had to know that this was going to be the struggle that you were up against from day one. This should not have caught you by surprise. It should not have shocked you in any way, particularly when it comes to politics in the city of Detroit. Um, Trump was able to, um, you know, finagle, um, you know, turning the state of Michigan blue uh, back in 2016. We're still reeling about that, but thankfully we were able to turn it back, uh, or not blue, but red rather, in 2016, we were thankfully able to turn it back red, a uh, blue rather, in 2020, and redeem ourselves because of, of, of what happened back in 2016. But you had to know that this was going to be what you were up against. Uh, I knew, I knew. Uh, I did not add to my assessment how hard it would be. Mm. I, I knew I kept saying, I'm like, if we get Sheree, we, we going to Washington. I'm just in a, and they was like, but he's a million. I'm like, we just need to get some money. I'm still trying to get some money. Uh, and then I'm like, we just got to convince some detrators that I'm their guy, which I am. And I, and I'm going to vote their interests. I didn't, I mean, like some people, they'd be like, man, you think I was like a murderer that they had been looking for. Republican, you better get your man. You better, man. You better. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it gets real when people hear Republican. Man, you better back up. You what? You who the hell? I'm like, whoa. And I gotta be like, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And I, like, I want to I keep it. I want to keep it nice. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, ma'am, for giving me a moment of your time. Uh, you have a blessed day. I, had, I talked to this one brother on the phone the other day. He's a fraternity brother of mine. He was like, he like, it's my life's mission to make sure the Republicans don't get back in leadership. And here I am, I'm like, well, uh, what's your plan to do that, sir? How are you gonna ensure that? And, and I'm always looking for like transactional, preferably an educated answer. I'm thinking he's gonna say, well, you know, I'm a multimillionaire and I'm, a, I'm funding like a 17 uh, states. I'm in like 17 states, I'm over. I'm in about uh, 52 congressional seats and uh, these 52 congressional people win. The Democrats will keep it straight in hand. But if you think you just got to vote for Sheree and ensure the House don't turn uh, Republican, uh, your life's work is lacking a lot of plan, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> How that comes. So I, I knew it would be hard. I knew it would be an uphill battle. I did not know how much we had just been brainwashed and uh that that's what hurts the most man i, I don't mm. i don't mind people not supporting me um the fact that at a high level we don't know that's what hurts it's like i talk to people and i'd be like "Ooh, you are unaware of what's going on politically at a high level you don't know and then when you fully step into that assessment and you engage in dialogue with that person, 
and you see they don't know. It's just a hurt because it's an African-American person that looks like you. It hurts. It hurts. And then you got to think about the Malcolm X quote that said, that you, you can't be mad because at one point you didn't know. And at one point I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have a better under, you begin to have a better understanding of why so many of our roofs are under tar. Guys, I know you're enjoying my interview with U.S. Congress, U.S. Congressional candidate for the Republican Party, my good friend Martel Bivings. We're going to get back into this conversation on the other side of the break. It's a Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought for working experience. Global advocate, Martin Luther King III. So I, I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years, theoretically, could cause, uh, have caused people to, to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking 
Out Loud Radio Show. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked. We are back, and uh, I know you've been enjoying my interview with Republican candidate for U.S. Congress for the 13th District, my good friend Martel Bivings. He's been with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and um, I have just really enjoyed chopping it up with him, talking about uh, his policies, talking about um, the, the implications of the August primary in this last segment. And, you know, what, what will it, what will black representation look like? What will representation look like in the city of Detroit, uh, in November, if, uh, things shake out the way the media, uh, is, is claiming, uh, that it will, uh, will shake out. But, um, I, 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 I just, you know, it, th- th- these are the kind of conversations I like to have. I like to talk politics. I like to talk to someone who is on that level. And I believe that, uh, Mr. Bivings, uh, Congress, uh, candidate for Congress for the Republican party. Go ahead and say Congress. On it. <laughs> it's on that level <laughs> and it's good chopping it up with him. I, I want to ask you um, in this last segment, as we get ready to wrap the interview, you know, as a Republican, uh, a black Republican, uh, to say the least, Amen. what are your views on former Donald, former President Donald Trump? Uh, you know, I've got to ask the question, do you, you know support what? the lies that he's spewing about uh, the November presidential election being stolen, the January 6th insurrection and the recent seizure of White House documents? from his residency in Mar-a-Lago, do you consider him to be a victim? Uh, You know, I don't know. I have not actually assessed his case in its entirety to be able to say he's a victim or not, but I will tell you, we have never had the FBI raid of former living president house. That, that is, that is, that is just like new news. That's just new. Uh, So that, that to me is out the gate. Like, Oh, is this what we doing now? This, this is interesting, but uh, I believe that everyone should be innocent until proven guilty. And if the uh, facts of his case reveal that he was guilty, uh, he will have to be addressed as such. Uh, when the situation happened on January 6th, I was on Houston, I was on Houston Whittier delivering a PPP, personal protection uh, equipment to some of our, uh, our businesses. And African-Americans are just so like, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. How did that affect you? You, you, like you, your person. What did January 6th like really do to you at a high level? Let's not get distracted by this. We still got high gas. We're still making major grocery store decisions. Our school system is failing. Safety in Detroit is subpar. I mean, we have teenagers robbing, killing one another. Our family structure is horrible. We are not disciplined. We are not 
grounded. We are not together. What happened to the black love? What happened to black businesses? January 6th is not our main focus. It's not, and it's definitely not mine. Um, when it comes to Trump, I like many of his policies. I think his, I think Trump is the type of employee. He's like, he's like the back, he's like the back end employee. He's like that employee who does not interface with the customer, like at all. Like you have no business talking to customers. Uh, I think some of the things he says is uh, extremely evil and uh, it's hurtful. Um, and I think that that's just my thoughts on Trump immediately. But uh, some of his policies were good for uh, our community, our community, black people, as well as the country. And many people get so wrapped up in his mouth, which is a lot. We don't have time to uh, focus on his, his policies. It's like that good employee is like, you do good work, but you also, nobody likes you on the floor. It's a lot of tension with you, you know? And I mm -hmm. think that's, I think that's him. It's interesting that you, um, you say that about, about Trump, who is the face of the Republican party. He is, uh, yeah, he is the he is the face and he is our leader. He is the uh, and Joe Biden's your leader. He's the answer, and he's also the question that many Republicans are are, are, are having to address mm -hmm. uh, in this election cycle, and will be one until uh, the, the 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 presidential uh, primary in general happens in twenty twenty four. It's one that you'll constantly have to uh, to address and to address and address and address again, again until uh, all of those results shake out. Um, and and I said this to you off air that Trump is someone that you know you're going to. He is because he's the face of the Republican Party. I would argue that he's also the reason why you have black people in the city of Detroit who are are looking negatively towards Republicans because he is the face of the Republican party. And, and so, um, that, that I, I would agree with you on that. I, I, I could, I could agree. I mean, I talk to a lot of people who have hardcore love for me, that has helped me in other endeavors in life that that will support me in other endeavors right now. Right. But when like they say, I mean, I can't get $2 for some people that, 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 uh, know me hardcore. Cause in their, from their perspective, they are better positioning me with a party that has a leader that they actually load. They cannot stand and they cannot find cognitive balance in giving me money. And he's also a part of this party. Like, so, so, so that, that is absolutely true. But then we also got to assess it. There's facets in this state as well as this district that love Donald Trump. And that is. Well, the, yeah. in the state, the, the city of Detroit, I think is different. It's was, not, you know, it's not a, it's not a large majority. I was at a barbershop. I was at a barbershop and I, like uh, African-American barbershop. I love them. Black, black experience, the last safe space for uh, black men. And I went in there and I gave them my spiel. 
you know, uh, the, the, the owner of the shop turned off the music. We was listening to Biggie. I'm like, oh man, you didn't have to turn off the music for me. You know, you turn off the bar the music in a barbershop, everybody focuses on you now. Like, why? Yeah, yeah. Why'd you drop the beat? <laughs> and I gave my spiel. The owner said, give your spiel. And this is like a Friday, the barbershop packed all around. Everybody on this side getting their hair cut, and you got the barbers and everybody like this, and this is uh they're waiting. The agents every and uh and I give you your spiel. So I give my spiel, you know, I'm talking about school choice and easier pathways and entrepreneurship, lowering taxes, second amendment protection. And he was like, Man, you need to throw that away. You need to kill that. I'm like, yo, I've been I've been on the ground since March. People, this is what people like. This is this is the issues. He's like, you need to say simple stuff like. I'm going to help you get back to getting money like you had with Trump two years ago. And the entire barbershop was like, hey, Trump 2024. Two people was like, I'm not going to the polls until Trump is on the ballot. This is a black barbershop, Mike, on liver noise. It's, this is this 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 is the qualitative data. This is this is my experience. I'm I'm out here on these streets. I have black brothers tell me life was better for them under Trump. So I, I get both sides of it. I, I can go into one meeting and these people in Detroit could be like, oh, you with the Republican Party with Trump Party. Oh no, get out of here. I love you. You you articulate and you educated. No, I go in this space over here. They like, where you stand on Trump? You mess with Trump? You gonna help us get money like Trump did? On the same street, Michael. And and that may that may very well be true. That may very well be true. And I but I get but I I, I will tell you what's also true, and that that opinion is not the majority. No opinion. It's, of, it's of, not, of, the, of 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 those who live in the city of Detroit. So you're absolutely right. It's not it, the majority, it's but not the majority. But I will give you that there are there are some black people who, uh, and and it's primarily because of what you said that he gave, uh, he gave us money, uh, you know, in the latter part of his presidency, uh, and that's supposed to, uh, in our minds, um solve all of our problems or uh it is it, supposed to uh wash wash the um the, the, everything that he did that in his presidency that in in many people's view makes him one of the worst presidents to ever grace uh 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue but i i, I don't want to die on this hill uh with you at the end of the interview, but I will again. I will again say that this is a question that I believe you'll have to answer and address. You know, throughout. Oh, uh, you know, th th throughout your uh, your campaign because he's not going away, and I wish and that and and this is just me talking to you, brother to brother. I wish that there were more uh, Republicans honest enough to stand up and, 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 and with a spine and speak out against some of the things he may have said. And of course, some of the things that he's done right is right. And definitely wrong is wrong. 
I, I agree with you. I hear you, but you got to look at the quantitative data. You know, everybody analyzes the quantitative data in Detroit, like, hey, Vivian, there's no way you can win. But they won't look at the quantitative data for the rest of the country. Trump candidates are winning with a 90% success rate. So you can stand up with your spine, shoulders back, and denounce the president, and your days will be numbered. That's, that's just a fact. That is a fact. So if you enjoy crafting language on behalf of your constituents and helping their lives become easier, it would behoove you to probably not say nothing because you won't be there any longer. That's, that, that's kind of like you just said, is this the hill you're going to die on? Peter Meyer, and I really wanted to work with Brother Peter Meyer, he will not be in Washington in January. Liz Cheney, she went she hard. Was, but, but she wasn't, she was not a Trump supporter. And, no, and, she and, wasn't. Yeah. You see where she is now. Right, right. Um, and, and, and she's going to she's gonna attempt to put a bid in. But what, what is she from? Kansas, I think. Kansas, heavily Republican. And and, and, and that's and Trump she, country. And, and she, she, she going to put a bid in for president. She ain't going to even get out of her state. And you know, uh, she ain't gonna get out of Iowa. And it's so he is the leader of the party. And like that's something we gotta, we as a people gotta become more politically strategic. So people are like, Bivings, you need to denounce Trump. I never said I was down with Trump <laughs> to, to go and denounce him. But and you I don't think at some point you'll have to you'll have to do anything like that? I won't be doing nothing like that. <laughs> I got $20,000 in my uh, congressional account right now. I need a million dollars to raise. I need Trump support. I'm, I'm going against a millionaire who we don't know why he's doing this or what his purpose is. I need my leader support. I can't get a black brother down the street to give me $5 to towards my late, my race, but he want me to denounce Trump. I didn't say I supported Trump. Give me $5, help me fund my race. We're not even playing strategic. People say, I want black representation. Give me $2. Give me $13. 13 for 13. We we just want to talk. We we got a white governor, a white mayor. I think an Asian state senator, a Palestinian person, and a potential Indian person representing us. Do we not have the ability to represent ourselves? Are, are, are we that lost in the sauce where we can't represent ourselves? You know, we, we people pride themselves on saying in Detroit, I went to a black business today. It's Detroit. It's 85% black. Shouldn't every business be black? We, it should be a white business list or air business list or a Chinese business list, not a black business list. It should, it should just be the norm. Mm. That, 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 that's crazy. The gas station, the liquor stores, the restaurants on corners. We not, we not, we not owning nothing. If you go downtown Detroit, you look at the skyscrapers, the, the majority of them not ours, that, that, that hurts. 
And we got to ask ourselves why of 70 years of Democrat representation, why are we not owning more? Why are we not better financially positioned but we were in the 1960s at the height of segregation? That, that, that's crazy. So we can't be focused on Trump and Trumpism and what happened on January 6th. Let's get back to us. I want to get back to us. I want to get back to us. I want to get back to us making money, us being educated, us having the capability, us graduating from high school and having a purpose and a sense of direction of where we're going in life. I don't want to keep on talking about Trump. Trump kids are doing well. What about the kid down the street? What about the young brother on Mac and Beewick? That's what that that that's my focus. So when people ask me about Trump case, I don't know. I got twenty thousand dollars in my account, and I'm running against a millionaire. I don't know nothing about Trump investigation. <laughs> nothing at all. I don't even have the privilege in extending myself to reading that. You know, uh, I got I, many of my people in the district. They want me to. Uh, pick up the uh, John Lewis bill. That's what I have to read. I have to make sure that that language is something that I'm going to be able to get past the House of Representatives. I don't have time to dive into uh, Trump's a FBI investigation. Point. I don't, that's, that's, that's not a, a very good point that that's extended to me. So I, I don't know. And people's like, you know, you don't know. It's like this, this is this, I'm running for Congress. I'm getting a seat of power. That's what that's my neighbor will be able to call me when I'm on the house floor. Michael, you'll be able to call me when I'm on the house floor. Can you call Sheree and think he's gonna pick up? No. Do you think he's gonna even really under are you is he gonna even be able to really understand you? Are you gonna be able to understand him? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's about to happen? You 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 sitting at your desk and they about to vote on something that's gonna affect your brother. Who you think you're gonna be able to call and say, hey, hey, could you try to stop that? This is what's going to happen. Those, those are things that's on my mind. So I can't get too focused on what's going on with Trump because that's a distraction. Mm. Trump is not even the president and he's leading our discussion right now. This is free media. I wish, I wish Detroit was talking about me this much for freedom, you know, for free. I, I, I have a better chance at beating Sharia. Everybody like, you know what that crazy boy said? <laughs> check out his website. <laughs> what you think about what Bivin said last night? Go, go. What you think about what Bivens said? You know, you know, I got I'm gonna have to start saying crazy stuff so I can get some free advertising. Trump is getting free advertising, free advertising, free advertising, free advertising. And now and we gotta start being aware. What happens if we stop talking about Trump? That, he you know, goes that, away. You know, I, I don't know that, but uh, I don't know about that. But what well, well, we doesn't go away, but yeah, but 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 the, the conversation our- shifts. It, it, right. If the conversation shifts. Then again, I, I agree. Like I, I, I do agree that much of our focus is on him, and it shouldn't be. And uh, and and so we need to shift our our focus uh, to more important matters that that actually uh, affect our day to day. He's not it. even in power no more. Right, right. He's not even in power. He cannot do nothing at this moment. Only thing he could do. He has, a, he has a candidate. He still has a he still has a great level of influence, and I agree with you with that. Uh, I mean, oh, his his he was it was seventy five million. Uh, he was still able to garner seventy five million votes in a in an election that he ultimately lost. 
uh, back in 2020. So that is why he's still the face of the Republican Party. You, you, no, I mean, it, it, typically how it happens is this. Even because you even you remember when Hillary lost, uh, President Obama was still the leader, mm-hmm. and and that 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 just how it happens, you know. I like to think that the Republican Party was here before Trump, and it I, will be here after Trump. I don't think if I, I I really don't think if if he had gotten if he had gotten um twenty five million votes if if the election would have been it was a landslide anyway. I thought I, I thought Biden won in a convincing fashion, but if the margin of victory would have been much, much larger and he had not gotten 75 million votes and then walked away from office with a quarter of a million dollars, uh, uh, a, a quarter of a billion dollars, not a million, a quarter of a billion dollars, uh, Trump did, then, uh, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't still be talking about him. And I think Republicans would have grown a spine and would have, denounced him by now but because he has he he he, you know he got 75 million votes that is that he is still even though as the former president i I know what you're saying that because he was the last republican president he will still be the face of the party but they would have long since denounced him by now but trumpism is a problem for democrats and it's a problem that they're having to deal with in every election uh, since he's uh, since he lost, and one that they will have to consider again until uh, November twenty twenty four. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, so that so those are my thoughts on uh, Mr. President Trump. Uh, yep, I think I answered all three of them. Yep, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, guys. I know you have enjoyed my interview with U.S. Congressional Candidate uh, Martel Bivens for the Republican Party for District 13. He's been our guest on the uh, Thinking Out Loud radio show this week's edition. Before I let you go, man, I want to know what is next for you. Uh, Of course, you're running this campaign. Those that are listening, I'm sure, want to know how they can be a part in some way, what events you have coming up, that they can be a part of, how can they reach out to you? Give them your information on how they can uh, be a part of what you're doing in the 13th district. You can always go to the website, uh, vivingsforcongress.com. That's B-I-B-I-N-G-S for congress.com. Go to our social media, which is all Vivings for Congress. And I will be posting our next events. I'm going to start hosting a host of meet and greets. If you want to host a meet and greet, if you want to say, hey, Let's hear this brother out. Call me. When you go to Bivings for Congress, my phone number is there, but it's 313-747-6454. And uh that will get you to the uh that will get you to the webs. That will get you to me. And uh you can just call me and uh you'll learn more. Again, that number is 313-747-6546. 313-747-6546. And that gets you directly to me. And you might want to say, hey, let me hear this brother out. And then once you hear me out and you like, yo, I kind of vibe with you. I can kick it with you. Uh, my neighbors need to know you. I'll come over and we can kick it on your porch or their porch or their backyard or the corner store, the, the local Coney Island, the local library. These are all places I want to be. I'm, I'm kicking off a barbershop tour. I'm going to let you know the barbershops that I'll be at um, coming up. So uh, I'm just asking people to give me a chance and I'll give you a choice. 
I do have an R behind my name, but I, I'm a black man from Detroit first, and I will always vote in Detroit's interest, which means many times I won't be voting uh, completely with the Republican Party. And uh, many people in the party already understand that, and because uh, I'm a Detroiter first. And that's the interest in which I'm going to uh, vote in because uh, you are my employer. You are the largest employer of the district. And uh, that's, that's what matters to me. And I think that's what matters to you. Uh, so thank you, Michael, for inviting me on. It's been a, a good opportunity to kick it with you today. And I look forward to coming back on, kicking it with you and your guests. Man, thank you so much, uh, Martel. We appreciate your time and uh, and the opportunity to talk to U.S. congressional candidate Martel Bivings for the Republican Party, District 13, guys. Uh, it has been truly a pleasure, and uh, we wish you nothing but success in the days and the weeks to come. And may God continue to bless you. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You're just yes, thinking out loud radio, radio, radio show. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision Vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jamel Hill, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with my man, Michael Nimitz. Stay live. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. It's time. Time. For the Thinking Out Loud radio show. This episode, Start of the Week, is entitled Vote or die trying. In 2004, rap mogul P. Diddy founded a political service group called Citizen Change that was backed by such musicians and artists like Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey, and 50 Cent. The stated aim was to get young people and minorities to vote. He even adopted a phrase during this campaign called vote or die which was a slogan to essentially emphasize the importance and the significance of voting. This was a widely popular campaign that drew national attention primarily because of the people that were at the helm. However, there aren't any concrete numbers to indicate how effective the campaign really was, especially given the fact that it was launched in 04 during Republican President George W. Bush's re-election bid the beleaguered president who many believe stole the election from then-Vice President Al Gore in 2000 and was now running against Democratic Senator John Kerry, 
who would eventually lose to President George W. Bush in the general election in November of 04. Vote or die. It seems like a pretty extreme proposition on the surface. Much like Malcolm X's famous speech in April of 1964, the year before his death entitled The Ballot or the Bullet. In it, he suggested that either we were going to be able to vote and be given the civil rights legislation that we so desperately needed, or there was going to be bloodshed in America. Malcolm even quoted Patrick Henry in his famous address in 1775, signaling the coming of the Revolutionary War when he said, give me liberty or give me death. I believe at the heart of all of this, from P. Diddy's vote or die campaign to Malcolm X's the ballot or the bullet speech, both wanted to emphasize and re-emphasize to black America the importance and significance of the right to vote. That this was an inherent right given to us by the Constitution of the United States to exercise according to our free will and determine the political fate of the country in which we are citizens by casting our vote in local, statewide, and national elections. Our ancestors fought, bled, and died on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1965 so that we could have the right to vote in 2022. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 came about because of the courage of leaders like Dr. King and then SNCC organizer and leader John Lewis who marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge to show the nation and the world how important we believe the right to vote was for black Americans. Today, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which was passed in the House and shelved in the Senate, which would bring universal reform to this antiquated system of voting in this country, and most importantly, ensure the voting rights of African Americans and people of color in this country for years to come. All of this has been done to demonstrate the significance and the importance of voting, and yet it seems to be a message that is falling on deaf ears, particularly in the African-American community. It has been said of us that it seems we did more when we had less, which I believe is an accurate characterization of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Black people were segregated, marginalized, maligned, murdered, poverty-stricken, and economically disenfranchised, but it seems this period in Negro history was the renaissance of our people. There's never been a time in our history where there was more legislation, more action and activity from black grassroots organizations to the White House than in the decade of the 1960s. And even though we witnessed the inauguration of the first black president almost 60 years later, the 1960s for black people has no legislative rival. And this was done when blacks were less than politically, less than socially, less than economically, less than academically, and less than legislatively. And here we are, decades later, reaping the benefits of this legislative renaissance of the 1960s, and we have more materialistically, we have more socially, we have more politically, we have more economically, we have more academically, and yet it seems we are so much less. We have taken what we have for granted. We have more, but we work less. We have more, but we vote less. We have more, but we try less. 
This is our gratitude for the decade of suffering for suffrage by our ancestors that doesn't seem to matter to us as much anymore. But in our defense, the blame isn't entirely ours because the proverbial system seems to always be against us. Voter apathy is as real a problem in the black community as police brutality, even though our contractors would say the boogeyman, because essentially no one is stopping us from voting but us. I wish that was true, because new legislation is being crafted nationwide, particularly in the southern states of Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina to restrict black people's right to vote. And because there isn't any national legislation that prohibits the restriction of this racist legislation and states have the jurisdiction and the autonomy to craft voter legislation as they see fit, the most times black people are on the outside looking in. And when you juxtapose what's happening to black people to the vitriol and venom of the Trump loyalists who continue to believe the lie their leader continued to propagate that the presidential election in 2020 was stolen, a lie that became the impetus for the insurrection of the Capitol on January 6, 2021. A lie that the former president has made a quarter of a billion dollars off of. A lie that he will continue to tell until the Republican Party grows a spine and stands up to their narcissistic, racist, evil, maniacal leader. That this is not who we are and this is not who we're going to continue to be. Today, we are resurrecting the campaign of P. Diddy, Malcolm and Patrick Henry. But we're adding a new spin to this politically controversial slogan, an addendum that will hopefully illustrate not just the significance or the importance of the right to vote, but the extent to which we're willing to go to get the end results we're desperately looking for. Vote or Die Trying is the new campaign we're proposing for black people everywhere because embedded within this phraseology is the clarion call for persistent, determined, courageous, and motivated people to take up this political charge for the future of our communities. If our ancestors were willing to die for us to have the right to vote, what are we willing to do to ensure the next generation doesn't ever lose this right? The answer begins and ends with us. We have to do more with what we have. We have more, so we should be doing more. We should be doing more to educate our young people on the importance of voting. We should be doing more to be becoming more civic-minded and civically engaged in our communities. We should be doing more to apply pressure to our elected officials to pass legislation like the George Floyd for Justice Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that will make a difference in our communities. We should be doing more to register our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, and even our enemies to vote. We should be doing more to ensure that our neighbors, relatives, friends, and even enemies not just register to vote, but actually do go to the polls and vote. We have more, so we should be doing more. Vote or die trying. Vote or die fighting. 
Vote or die marching. Vote or die protesting. Vote or die speaking truth to power. Vote or die trying to lift our brothers and sisters out of poverty. Vote or die trying to emancipate the minds of this generation of young people from this mentality of hopelessness and apathy. Vote or die trying to realize the dream of our ancestors to see a fully engaged community indoctrinated, involved in the social, political, economic, and academic well-being of one another. This is our answer. This is our solution. This is our mantra. This is our opportunity to not just change our community, but our country. Not just our neighborhood, but our nation. And we can do it together. Let's give it a try. This week's thought, vote or die trying. Uh, I hope I encourage those of you who may not be even registered to vote to go out and register to vote. This election in November is so, so very important. And you need to do your due diligence and make sure that you not only register to vote, but you go to the polls and vote. And no want to give a special shout out to my good friend and Republican candidate for the 13th Congressional District in the city of Detroit, Martel Bivings, for being with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And good luck to you in November. Again, going up against Democratic candidate uh, Shri Thanadar. If you're asking me who am I supporting, well, it's not Shri Thanadar. There you have it. <laughs> uh, and and so um, it, things are going to shake out the way they will in November. Uh, but most importantly, we hope that you go to the polls and vote. Do your civic duty and make sure that you go to the polls and vote. In the city of Detroit, I want to say this, the, the, the voter turnout was abysmal, um, both the absentee ballot and in the uh, in-person voting. We need to make a change. We need to make a difference because when you don't vote, you you have done nothing but hurt yourself and you don't have a right to complain if things do not turn out the way you would like would have liked them to. If you do not vote, you do not have a right to complain. And all that Martel Bivings is saying is give me a chance and I'll give you a choice in November. 
Well, guys, uh, again, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Shouts out to everybody who took some time this week to listen to this week's edition. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please rate, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. Remember uh, to follow us on all social media at, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud HQ on Instagram and Twitter at Thinking Out at TOL Radio Host MSN or the TOL Radio Show or on YouTube at youtube.com Thinking Out Loud TV or just go to our website michaelnimmons.com there you'll be able to do all of that in one place at one time guys remember next week's edition is going to be a uh, solo edition where we're going to be talking about topics that are on our mind and yours and you have an opportunity to chime in and let us know what you're thinking about so um, in this week's poll you can tell us if you want to talk about twerking in the church or Beyonce in the church girl song controversy or Trump and the new Republican Party or whatever you want to talk about we're going to be putting some choices in this poll and sharing them on social media so you have an opportunity to chime in and let us know what you want us to talk about in next week's edition of the thinking out loud radio show well guys we're getting ready to get out of here thank you for tuning in until next time always remember if you think it you can believe it if you can believe it you can see it if you can see it you can be it if you can be it you can achieve it the power rests within you the mind is the most powerful muscle in your body use what you got to get what you want the power is in you it's the thinking out loud radio show thank you for listening like the show be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more info about the show and the ministry visit michaelnemons.com want to book radio host michael nemons for your next special event send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com tune in every tuesday at 8 p.m for the thinking out loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to